Hello and welcome to the Our Dad Stamps podcast. My name is Pete West and I've spent half a lifetime collecting stamps and more than 10 years buying and selling them. In these podcasts I want to share some personal stories, tips and tricks that I've learned along the way and maybe encourage a few non-philatelists to take up this fascinating and absorbing hobby. I hope you enjoy the podcast. This podcast was originally broadcast on my wife's All About You podcast about a month ago. In it, we talk about the sale of the Stuart Wiseman collection at Sotheby's in New York. I thought it would be a good one to include in the Our Dad Stamps podcast, so I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to another conversation on the All About You podcast. This conversation is a little different. Some of you will know my husband Pete is a stamp collector. And he is actually working on starting his very own podcast about stamp collecting. During the week, Pete brought a story to my attention that I wanted to share. So here is a question for you. What have stamps and shoes in common? Well, Stuart A. Wiseman, born in 1941, is an American shoe designer, entrepreneur and founder of the shoe company Stuart Wiseman. He has designed footwear for Beyonce and Taylor Swift. Let's just say his shoes are absolutely beautiful, but not exactly cheap. One of his most famous creations was a pair of sandals adorned with 464 diamonds worn by Laura Harin for the 2002 Academy Awards. He later sold his shoe company to the brand Coach for $574 million in 2015. However, he did stay on as chief designer. So now, on to the connection with stamps. On the 8th of June this year, there was a dedicated auction at Sotheby's in New York, where three of his items were put up for auction. There were two extremely rare stamps and a gold coin. So now I'm joined by Pete to talk about the amazing story of these two stamps. So welcome to the podcast, Pete. Hello, Sheila. Thanks for having me. When I um, read this article, or before I read this article, I had no idea who Stuart Wiseman was. But I did know that the two stamps he was selling are probably the two most well-known stamps in, in the world. And seeing the Sue connection, I thought it would be of interest to you. So... The two stamps were a one cent British Guiana, one cent magenta, a plate block of the American inverted Jenny. As I said, these two stamps are probably the most famous in the world. And the one cent magenta is, it holds the record for the most valuable stamp for some time now. And it, all, and it came about almost by accident. In 1856, there was a problem with deliveries of the stamps in British Guiana. At that time, all stamps for British Commonwealth countries were produced in Britain and shipped out to the relevant countries. Most of the time, this was done with no problems and a regular supply was, was, was issued and, and arrived. Due to either an admin error or a problem with the shipping, one shipment didn't arrive in British Guiana and they were in danger of running out of stamps. So the postmaster asked the local newspaper, 
the Royal Gazette, to print a contingency supply. And they included this one cent magenta, but it also included a four cent magenta and a four cent blue. The colours are, are possibly misleading because they're actually all printed in black, uh, but the magenta is the colour of the paper. Uh, and in actual fact, the four cent magenta and the four cent blue are not anywhere near as rare as the one cent magenta. Um, you could pick up a four cent magenta for a, a mere £25,000 present day. <laughs> the, the one cent magenta, however, is extremely rare and it is believed only one is in existence. And that one stamp was found by a schoolboy, a 12 year old boy who was going through his family papers. The lad was a, an avid stamp collector. So he took this stamp, looked it up in the, in the catalogue and because it wasn't listed in the catalogue, nobody actually knew it any existed at that time. He didn't know what to do with it and sold it for a few shillings to another collector. As time passed by, it was realised that this was the one cent magenta stamp. Um, and over the years has passed from various collectors for increasingly amounts of money. And each of the last four times that it has been sold, it was sold for a world record price for a single stamp at that time. When you look at the stamp, it's actually not that good a quality now. It's been cut into an octagonal shape, whereas the original stamp was a, was a rectangle. The, the printing has faded quite a lot over the years, and it's got quite a heavy postmark on it. So in, in terms of the look of the stamp, I would venture to say it's not a particularly attractive looking stamp. And compared with some of the four cent magentas that are around, they are much better quality. However, because it is the only one in existence, then that pushes the prices up. So let me just get this right. So there was a problem with delivery of stamps to Guyana. So they thought, okay, we've got a plan. We are going to ask our local newspaper printing office to knock up some stamps. Basically, yes, that was it. Don't forget, in, in 1850s in Central America, the West Indies, places like that, um, there weren't too many printers around and it was quite a specialised field and a newspaper was an obvious place to go for it. And, it, and, and actually British Guiana isn't the only country that have had to print their own stamps to, to get by on a short base, short term basis. So this wasn't entirely unusual. One thing he did do to, to, to try and prevent forgeries it was to sign every single stamp. The postmaster had to sign each stamp before it was affixed to a, an envelope and posted, and that guarded against forgeries. So on the front of the stamp, there is a signature. And again, that wasn't entirely unusual. There are other examples of stamps of that happening in, in other countries. So when we're talking about this stamp, over the years, as you said, it has been trimmed down. So it's not the original shape. Mm -hmm. Magenta, we think, is probably is a dark red, but it's actually more of a black. And it's not actually an attractive stamp to look at. Yeah, the, the magenta has actually faded to a, to a, a paler pink now, rather than the, the, the strong colour that it was originally. And, and the black printing, it, it's hard to distinguish at all. So, uh, as I said, it's not the most attractive looking stamp. I wouldn't mind having one. 
Okay, <laughs> so let's go back to my friend Stuart Wiseman and my love of shoes. So he was collecting stamps from a very young age. Do we know how he acquired these stamps originally? Uh, yeah, apparently in the with the one cent magenta he bought at auction for nine million four hundred eighty thousand dollars in two thousand and fourteen, which was the world record for a, a single stamp at that time. So as I said in the introduction, he sold his company for over five hundred million. So he had a few so had dollars a, lying it was, around. It was a small change for him to, to spend on his hobby. Uh, yes, indeed. But the interesting thing is he, he paid, in 2014, he paid $9.5 million, $9 million for it. Uh, when he sold it last month, he only got 8300000 So in the space of seven years, he's lost a $1 million on, on that stamp. Um, and it was surprising because the, the estimate, the, the auction estimate, was between 10 and $15 million. But for whatever reason, it didn't didn't reach the estimates. So, well, that's uh, interesting because you think as time goes on, a stamp is being going to become more valuable mm. because it's a rarity, and just as time goes on, rarities tend to increase in value. That is normally the case, but for whatever reason, maybe because of the pandemic and people have got less money around, maybe for any number of reasons, but it it didn't make. Uh, the guide price. So, um, do we know who the purchaser was? Of yeah, this indeed. Stamp? I was just going to talk about that. The the, the buyer is actually Stanley Gibbons. Um, they've bought the stamp, and and have now brought it back to London. And apparently, the idea is for them to have it on display in their their shop in the sta- in the Strand, and to offer it to collectors for part ownership. So you would be able to buy sort of. Like shares in in the stamp. So you'll have a stake in ownership of that stamp. Yes, yeah, which is quite a novel idea. They they haven't yet finalised the plans on how this is going to work, but uh, yeah, it's a nice idea. And uh, so you quite fancy owning a stake of this stamp, by the way. Well, maybe, yeah. <laughs> it's the only way I'm ever going to get a part of it. <laughs> but has anybody ever done that before? Had offer a rare stamp where people have part ownership? ownership? Uh, to my knowledge, no, it's never been done before. It's quite unique um, and, and probably quite a clever idea, actually, because I should imagine for for the right price, then there'll be a lot of interest. Because nobody, or it, I should say, it's not going to be easy to ever sell that stamp. Let's say we've got 500 people who have an equal stake in that stamp. Mm-hmm. In theory that stamp is going to go up in value over the years. But if you've got 200 people who want to cash in and take the money, you've got to get agreement from the other 300. That That's never going to be easy, is Presumably, it? Presumably, from this moment onwards, and, and there may be something they write into the... To the um, there must be some pretty watertight legal contract. To, to the contracts. But it may be that from this moment onwards, it will always be up share-owned. And you'd be able to share, sell your share in the stamp, much the same as you share, sell individual stamps. So we think if, this is like the first time this has ever happened in I the stamp it, world. I think it is certainly, and um, and maybe it's 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 a way forward. Maybe it's a, it's a good idea, because you think for a for anybody that owns that stamp, you can't keep it in your album at home. It has to be kept securely somewhere. 
probably in a, in a museum or or if not they're locked away in a in, in bank vaults which is no good to anyone really you know there's no point in owning it and not being in my view there's no point in owning it and not being able to look at it whereas Stanley Gibbons planned to put it in a an airtight display cabinet temperature controlled where everything is controlled to keep the stamp in its best possible condition uh, and people will, will be able to go and look at it so I, I mean that sounds. I think it's a great idea. I mean, it, it to me. I mean, although stamping is not my thing, it sounds just something completely new. Somebody has really thought outside the box with this one. Yeah, yeah. Well done, Stanley Gibbons, for thinking of it. So. Exactly. So we are literally waiting information from Stanley Gibbons to see how yeah. this is all going to play out in respect of. I mean, the sale was only was only last month. I think 8th it was. Of June, so, yeah. so it's it's early days yet, but. No doubt over the coming months, then uh, more details will emerge. Uh, and maybe that's the subject for my future podcast. So just to go back to that stamp then. So when a, an item is sold at auction, let's say we sell a painting at auction for, say, £100. We as the seller will not walk away with £100 because obviously the auction house will take their commission and yes. often the buyer pays a commission, so there's two lots of commissions. I, I don't know the details of this auction. All auctions work slightly differently, but there's usually, certainly the, the seller will have to pay a commission for, for selling it. Uh, and quite often the buyer pays a, a commission as well when it comes to stamps. So I don't know the details of this or whether, they're, whether they'll even be published or not. But uh, it would be it's, interesting it's to know what the buyer and the seller's commission would be on, on yeah, selling that. I, sus- I suspect Sotheby's made a fair, fair bit out of this. Oh, yes, I'm sure they cracked open a bottle <laughs> of champagne after that sale, I have no doubt. <laughs> yes. Okay, so going on to the, uh, to the other stamp that was, was sold, it was a, a plate block of the inverted Jenny, uh, and I'll go on to explain what that means in a minute. The inverted Jenny is, is the most famous stamp in America. And it came about by accident. It's actually a, an, an error. Unlike the, the one cent magenta, which was printed as it should be, but is rare because it's only one exists. The inverted jenny was actually a mistake in printing uh, that got through the processes. And, and what it is, it's a stamp that has a red frame with a blue picture in the middle of an, an aeroplane. And the aeroplane is, is called a jenny. The plane was actually um, Curtis JN4, which was nicknamed the Jenny, hence the uh, the name of the stamp, the inverted Jenny. And because it's in two colours, it goes through two printing processes, or it did in those days. So first of all, they print one colour, take all the pages out, put them back in the printing press, and then print the other colour. And what happened with this particular one, and, and does not often happen but does happen with with this type of process is occasional sheets get put in upside down so when they were printed the frame is the right way up in this case the plane is the wrong way up now normally there is a checking process at, at the end of the print run where they will take out any such errors and because this was as i said this does happen it was one they looked for and it's believed that quite a few sheets were removed before they made it to the, to the post office. But one sheet apparently got through um, and it ended up in a post office. But it was a collector at the time recognised that 
there was a possibility that this might happen and, and a plan to keep an eye on them. And went into the post office to buy a sheet of stamps and could not believe his luck when the cashier handed over this sheet with the error on it. And he was speechless, but kept his cool and, and walked out of the post office with, a, with what he knew was a very valuable stamp or sheet of stamps. A sheet of stamps was 100 stamps. Each stamp of these stamps was 24 cents. So he just paid $24 for what he knew was going to be something very, very valuable. And apparently they spoke to the, the cashier in the post office afterwards. Uh, and he's quoted as saying that he didn't realise it was inverted because he'd never seen a plane in his life before. Whether that's true or not remains to be seen, but it's a good story. <laughs> so do we know the man who bought this sheet of stamps with the errors, was he a stamp collector? Yes, he was. He it was. was a, it was a person called William Roby, and allegedly he'd written to a friend before the release of this stamp to say, I'm going to be looking out just in case there are any inverted ones. Um, so he was already planning in advance but the chances of him actually coming across one were almost nil. See, I love it when the stars aligned. I love these stories. So <laughs> he, he sort of had a purpose. He knew about these stamps. He thought, well, I'm going to keep an eye out. And he happens to be in the right place at the right time with the money to buy the whole sheet because it's more valuable with the whole sheet as opposed to three stamps yeah. or 20 stamps. Well, we'll come on to that bit later, but yes. So as soon as he got home... He was trying to sell the sheet of stamps, contacted some dealers, and I believe he put an advert in, in the paper saying what he'd got. And the local postal inspectors came around and tried to buy it back from him. But he refused, obviously, because he knew exactly what he'd got. And he sold the sheet for $15,000. So the sheet that cost him $24, he then sold within a matter of months for $15,000. And what year was this? This was in 1918. Right, so that was an, an incredible was, was amount of money. of money. The person who bought it, another dealer, sold it a week later for $20,000. So in a week, he'd made $5,000 from it. So, and, and stories were going around that about this sheet, the stamp world were desperate to get their hands on, on it. Um, and at this point, the dealer decided that he could make more money from splitting it up into single stamps than to sell a whole sheet, which financially makes sense. From a philatelic point of view, it's, it's really sad that this whole sheet was broken up, but financially it made sense to break it up. And it was split into um, singles and, and blocks, blocks of four, blocks of eight. But before he broke up the sheet, he lightly wrote in pencil on the back the position of each stamp so that it could be traced back where the stamp came from. So he started at the top left-hand corner with one and went one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, all the way down to the bottom to a hundred. And ever since then, it's been possible to work out exactly where that stamp was on the, on the sheet, which was quite good foresight in the end. Because of his actions, it's been possible to trace frauds in, in the future. Although damaging a stamp by writing on it is not always a good thing, this did have positives. So since that time, six stamps have been lost or destroyed 
nobody knows where they've gone, but the other 94 are still in existence. And the, the, the yeah, 94 are still in existence. And this block of four that um, Stuart Wiseman had is the most famous block because it has what's called the plate number printed on the, on it. On, on the outside of, of a sheet of stamps, there's a frame all, frame all the way around the outside. So, so you don't print right up to the edge of the stamp. And there's a number in the bottom of each of these sheets, which is a plate number. And that just tells the, the printers which printing plate that sheet came from so that if there is any problems in the future they can go back to that plate and, and sort it out basically so this block of, of stamps is the only one with the plate number on it and originally it was a block of eight and that's plate block sold for twenty seven thousand dollars in 1944 it was then split into two blocks of four and sold in 1950s for $18,000 but since then it's the, the value has gone up and up and up and in 1971 it sold for 150000 in 2005 it sold for 2.9 million and then Stuart Weissman bought it privately in 2014 and we don't know how much he paid for it. So Stuart Weissman if through six degrees of separation you do get to hear this podcast that we would love to have a talk to <laughs> I'm you. I'm sure the whole world would love to know how much you paid for it. Not necessarily about that, but I think this story of him collecting stamps and the story of the two individual stamps, I think is just absolutely brilliant. So if anybody is connected, third cousin, twice removed <laughs> by marriage, etc., Stuart Wiseman, we would absolutely love to have you on the All absolutely, About You podcast. Yeah. yeah. And just one last thing on, on the stamps. The inverted Jenny was estimated to sell between five and seven minutes. And like the one cent magenta, it didn't make the estimate price. It sold for 4.8 million. So it was definitely not a good time for him to sell. Although he Maybe he needed money. the money. <laughs> Maybe he's buying Maybe. another company or something. Maybe. So again, Stuart, if you are listening, get in touch. Let us know why you wanted to sell the stamps. Yes, so so an interesting story. Two very, very special stamps in, in the philatelic world and are now with, with different owners. So we are waiting to find out what Sotheby's plan is for selling the the portions of the... Or Stanley Gibbons plan. Stanley Gibbons plan for yeah. selling the percentage ownership of the stamps or whatever we want to call yes, it yes yes I'll, I'll, I'll start saving now well yeah i think you're gonna have you're gonna have <laughs> to take up washing cars or something for that amount of money <laughs> so pete before we finish anything else to add regarding those two stamps no i don't think so as i said both have interesting stories the whole world of stamping has it full of interesting stories so uh, my plan is to to tell some of them over the coming months Perfect. Well, I think it's been a fascinating story and, and I hope everyone has enjoyed it on the podcast. Something a little bit different. But yeah, that's the connection between shoes and stamps. So thank you very much, Pete, for being a guest. Okay, and no, thank you for asking me. Giving us all the technical information and I hope you enjoyed the podcast. <laughs> Thank you.
listening to my podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and maybe you've learnt a little too. I would love to hear from you with your tips and stories. I can be found on Facebook and Instagram as Our Dad Stamps, as well as through my online shops at eBay and DevCamp. Listen again next week for another episode of the Our Dad Stamps podcast.